What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Excited to be with you today. So today we're going to be continuing with our series on the seven habits of highly effective people. So you can see here, I got my copy of the book. Uh, it, again, you know, I'm going to go through a little recap of habit one. Um, and just, just to share again, you know, this book was really transformative and, and powerful in my life at such an important time in my early 20s. And so reading this book was um, just one of the first times I felt like I really had some solid guidance on how I can work towards fulfilling my potential. And I've shared this, you know, many times before, but just I've always had this deep desire to be great or do something great with my life. And so there was always this question of like, how do you actually go about accomplishing that? And if you don't come from a place or a family or a community where excellence is pursued, where uh, people are really striving to fulfill their potential, you're going to find it really difficult, right, to try to do that on your own and try to figure out by yourself, especially as a teenager, you know, late teen, early 20s, to try to figure out how to live life to the best of your ability. That's a, that's a big task. That's a big thing to figure out. There's a lot of important questions there. And so for me, these books and a lot of these self-help books were just huge. They were just really helpful. Um, I always say, you know, again, I'll, I'll give the disclaimer that you have to read them with um, a firm understanding of Catholicism and never like stray away from the church. There's going to be good things in here. There's going to be things in here that you discard. And I think I was even kind of reminded of that on a deeper level with um, the, uh, the second habit that we're going to talk about today, begin with the end in mind. Going through the chapter, there was not a lot that I highlighted even back then. And I think that part of that is because it does get into some kind of like Protestant, um, it dabbles, I think, on the on the borderline of manifesting and, and being excessively um, new agey-ish in that way. And so I don't want to obviously ever do that. And so <laughs> we're going to avoid that. But um, there's, there's some really important things here. And it was funny as I was just kind of researching this second habit, begin with the end in mind. I found a, a video when I when I YouTube searched it, just trying to get refreshed on it, you know, because it's been a while since I read the book. So I go back and try to read through my notes. But I found this video, one of Father Mike's videos from the beginning of this year with Ascension, where he said, uh, begin 2023 with the end in mind. And so I thought that was really cool because I'm like, this is, this is, goes a show. And I think Father Mike always has, has kind of proven this to me as well, that a lot of these things do really apply to Catholicism. They do a lot apply to the life of a, an aspiring saint, of somebody who's striving to be holy. We need these principles. We need these things. And so we can't be afraid of them. We can't hide from them. We can't run from these things. I think this is really important for us to, to keep in mind as we go forward. And so just a, a quick admin note before we get started here today uh, on our recap. Um, first, if, you, if you're joining us on YouTube today, thanks for joining uh, hopefully that the watching experience is much better now that I've updated my camera. We've got a solid audio setup. I got new headphones, got all kinds of new stuff. And so I'm very, very excited about that and really looking forward to diving in uh, to more video content and putting out more um, on YouTube and, and other places. And so thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening if you're listening on uh, the podcast. And uh, uh, another thing is today's October 1st as I'm recording this. So this will be released tomorrow on October 2nd, you probably remember that we had a goal of reaching 100 members on Locals by the end of September. And so we were lucky to um, 
I was lucky to hit 88. So we got 88% of the way there, which was um, good, but not great. We wanted to hit 100. Uh, but I am very excited that we had so many new people join in the month of September. August and September really were, were great for new members on Locals. And now this month, as I mentioned before, I'm going to be striving towards a uh, supporters goal. And so our supporters goal on Locals this month is 25. So I'm trying to get to 25 people because that'll hit me at 50 total all time. And this does include one-time supporters. Um, but the great thing about hitting 50 supporters on Locals is that it unlocks new things. And so I'll be able to do longer live streams, more live streams, more content. There's just a lot new. There's, there's The way they do their tiers is not paid. It's not just a pricing thing, but it's actually based on how many supporters you have. And so more supporters will lead to, to more features and more things being unlocked. And um, in this month of October, we're going to be starting our book club, which I've talked extensively about in the past, um, finalizing things for those and getting everything sent out to people hopefully before I leave for uh, Maine and Kansas this week. But um, if not, then definitely definitely next week, second week of October, those will be shipped. And so I'm very excited for that. And then we'll be getting that started. Still trying to finalize the way I want to do it, if I want to do a Zoom or if um, I need to go through the, the feedback survey and things like that and see how many people are interested in what. But um, obviously time is precious for all of us. And so uh, you know, trying to create content and all this stuff is, is beautiful, but challenging. And so um, trying to figure out when I would be able to do that book club uh, at, at a standing time each week for whatever, like, you know, 15 weeks it'll go because we're going to be doing a chapter at a time um, can be a challenge, but I do have a time slot in mind that I think would work. And so um, I'm leading towards that, but we'll see what we, we come up with. I'll be announcing that probably next week exactly how that'll be going down and I'll be communicating that on locals first, of course. So with that said, let's re recap, excuse me. Uh, let's recap uh, last week's. And so last week we talked about being proactive or two weeks ago, I guess now, cause I did the Q and a episode last week cause I was short on content being on the road for two weeks, but um, thinking about being proactive. So this is something that I think I feel super passionate about being proactive is not just, about taking initiative. It is about that. But it kind of first starts with this idea of responsibility, personal responsibility. And you understand if you read the seven habits that he does, he does these three, what he called what, what Stephen Covey, the author calls private victories. And then he has three public victories. And then there's a seventh habit that kind of revolves around all of them and supports all of them. And so these uh, three pu private victories are be proactive, begin with the end of mind, and put first things first. Being proactive is the first start because similar to, to my kind of three foundations for seeking excellence, um, the, being proactive and taking responsibility, first and foremost, taking responsibility for your life, for who you are, the type of person that you are, the husband, father, um, you know, son that I am, the friend that I am, the coworker that I am, uh, the employee that I am. I have to take responsibility of all that first if I'm going to change anything. If I'm going to apply anything else you know, that's in this book, I have to be able to take responsibility first or else if I see myself as a perpetual victim of my circumstances and of other people, then I'm just not going to make any positive change. And I've seen this in people in my life uh, many times throughout my life. And it's obviously sad to see when you have people who um, think of themselves in this way. So being proactive is all about taking responsibility. It's about taking initiative it's about taking ownership of your life. And so um, really, really enjoyed that episode. I hope you know I enjoyed making it. Hopefully you enjoyed 
listening to it and applied something to it, uh, from it to your life. I think one of my favorite parts of it is discerning between the circle of influence and the circle of concern. And so he defines the circle of influence as the things that you can actually control and impact in your life. And then on the other side, you have the circle of concern. And so these are things that concern you, just that kind of affect you, um, but you know are relevant in your life, but are, are outside the things that you can control. I just heard this great quote on this. I was listening to Patrick Bet David and Dave Rubin this morning. And Patrick Bet David quoted this book, and I hope I can get it right because it was kind of a long title. And I'm very interested to read it. He said it was worth the read. But it says, all you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough. And I just love that. All you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough. How many of you actually believe that? How many of you actually believe that everything that you can control, everything that you can handle is actually sufficient for what God is asking you to do in your life? I think it's it's so common to to want to blame other people on other things in our lives for why we are not who we feel like we're capable of being, why we feel, um, you know, we're just kind of held back or it's easy to hold grudges and, and to just blame other people for our setbacks and, and why we are the way we are, why our life is the way it is. But we truly are called to understand that, that you know, going back to 2 Corinthians 12, as always, God's grace is sufficient for us, for his power is made perfect in weakness. He does not give us things to do and not give us the grace and the strength to handle doing those things. And so remember that all you can do is all you can do. But all you can do is enough. So, yeah, I just think that's so powerful, you know. And, and so think about that in your own life, whether that be your work, whether that be your um, personal life, your relationships, whatever. What can you do? What can you control? What is within your span of control? Because the fact of the matter is you can't control your spouse. You can't control your kids. You can try to discipline them and form them. You can certainly try to influence your spouse. I can't control my boss. I can't control my coworkers. All I can control is what I can control. And I can control my activity, my actions, how much work I'm willing to put in, what I'm willing to do in order to achieve my goals. Those are things that are well within my control. And so I can handle those and I ought to handle those because those are the things that are actually going to make a difference in my life. And so just think about that as we're going into this week. And I know this is very convicting for me because I've kind of find myself falling into this. I think it's easy to to throw pity parties for yourself and to feel sorry for yourself and to, um, yeah, just get constantly frustrated with trying to work with other people who might be difficult in your life who you feel like you've been trying to influence, you've been trying to do things the kind way or the patient way, and it just isn't working out. And so thinking about for for you, who are those people in your life that cause you that pain, that cause you this frustration? But then secondly, are you really doing all the things that you can do, all the things that are within your control to help with that, to control that? And so, yeah. Let's pray with that this week for sure to help us to do that. I think part of that and part of understanding what's within our control leads well into habit number two, which again is the beginning with the end in mind. And so what does that mean to begin with the end in mind? It's basically all about casting a vision and being intentional. So if, if you know, I, I talk about the three foundations of, of excellence and then we have the seven pillars of excellence. So the way that I've kind of designed that is you have the pillars, actual pillars, right? And they hold up the roof, which is the life of excellence, right? So well-rounded life. You have your seven pillars of excellence. 
underneath those, there's three foundations. And those are ownership, intentionality, and courage. Ownership because you have to take ownership and responsibility for your life. I already hit on that. Intentionality because you have to have a plan. And you have to be intentional about uh, how you're going to execute that plan, right? But a lot of people don't have plans. They just kind of have wishes instead of dreams. They don't have goals. Um, they have these desires, but there's not really a plan or strategy to accomplish them or to reach them. Um, the second, the, the third part is courage because it takes courage to actually execute it, right? It takes courage to risk failure. It takes courage to fail and then to get back up and, and keep going and, and keep striving in life. And so those are my three foundations. So it lines up nicely with this, which I don't even know how much I thought about the seven habits when I created those, but um, be proactive lines up well with uh, ownership slash responsibility. And then the second one is intentionality. And so beginning with the end in mind means that when I start out my year, when I start out my month, when I start out my year, when I start out my decade, right, of my 30s, when I think about the long, you know, the long uh, stretch of my life, the the long term plan that I have, the long term vision. That's that's what we're talking about with beginning and the end in mind is where do I see myself at, as a 30 year old? Where do I see myself at at 50, at 60, at 70, at 80? What do I want to have accomplished? Another thing that I saw in the art of manliness while I was um, doing some research again and preparing for this was uh, this kind of differentiation between what they call resume virtues and eulogy virtues. And so I think this actually does come from the book, but I didn't see it when I was kind of scanning through it again. But this idea of there's certain things in your life that that matter on your resume, right? How many, your different jobs that you've had, the different things that you've done, um, you know, random crap, right? Random awards you've gotten that nobody really gives a shit about, but you put it on your resume because your potential employer does care about those things at least sometimes, maybe most of the time. So th there's, th there's that. And then you have eulogy virtues, which is, is what are people going to say about you once you're, once you're gone, right? So if you died today, what would people say about you at your funeral? And more, almost more importantly is because this is the only thing we can control going forward, right? That's more based on your past. But say you don't die today, say you die 10 years from now, what would you want people to say about you at your funeral? What would you want people to remember about you? That's what the eulogy virtue is all about. Is that are you actually doing things that are encouraging other people, um, or, or making it easy for other people to think about you the way that you hope you're coming off to people, right? So if you want to be kind, if you want to be remembered as gentle or fun, or lighthearted or caring or giving or generous or joyful, are you living in a way that actually reflects that? That reflects this this goal and desire that you have. And that that's something that is, yeah, it's tough. It's it's hard to actually live your life that way. It's hard to not be overcritical when you start to think about this, right? And evaluating yourself based on how you do want to be remembered, what you want to be known for. But I think a lot of people, especially in their 20s, I think I was really blessed to have this mindset that allowed me to think, you know, well, where do I want to be at 50 or 60? Because I'd seen a lot of people, whether it was my own dad or other family members or um, just people that I had met where it was just like, I don't want, I don't know what I want when I'm 60 or 70 years old, but I know I don't want what they have. And that can be, that's a sobering thought, right? You know, I just mentioned having that experience with my own father. That's, that's a hard thing to, you know, when, when you go from 
your parents are are initially obviously your role models, right? I remember reading this book, Mountains Beyond Mountains, before going to Mount St. Mary's as a freshman. And I read like half of it because I never read full books back then. But there was this this one part that, of the book that I remember where the guy was describing how when you're a kid, when you're a kid, you always think of your parents as perfect. And there there hits this harsh punch from reality someday where you realize that is not the case. And some parents are able to pull that off for longer, some for shorter. But either way, all kids eventually realize that their parents are not perfect. And parents are not meant to be perfect. Parents never can be perfect or will be perfect. But still, you have this experience, right, where you figure out that your parents aren't perfect. And it's tough. It's difficult. But I think in realizing that, we also can learn from the good things from our parents and then we can make changes to try to minimize the the downsides, right? The negative things, the negative habits we picked up from them or learn from them. And so I, I was very reflective on this when I was in college and when I was praying and thinking about my life, who I wanted to be, what I wanted to have, you know? And I think it was such a gift. It was just such a gift. I, I remember constantly, because I started to hear this when I was probably like 18 or 19, I started to live my life a certain way, especially living out my faith and things like that. And I've just heard this so many times from different people. And it's come from family, friends, strangers, people that have just heard me speak that have shared with me afterwards and been transparent and open about some of their regrets and things like that in life. And the one kind of common theme that I've always heard or often heard is I wish I knew what you know at your, when I was your age. And the way that I've always kind of summarized that is, I wish I knew then what I know now. And some people still don't know some of this stuff now, right? And what I'm talking about is things like your, the importance of your faith life, the importance of your family, how to love your spouse, how to love your family, how to, how to put God first in your life. Um, think about it on the financial side, there's a million things, right? The importance of saving, the importance of budgeting, the importance of... Um, uh, investing and investing wisely, the importance of being disciplined, the importance of working hard at your job, harder and smarter, not just harder, right? And I've heard this from so many people, and, and it's it's really sad to me. I think th- there's a certain there's a certain part of me that that's definitely sad for the people who have said this to me, but there's also a sense of um, I don't know what the word is, but I also recognize their responsibility in it because I didn't just learn these things just like I'm sure you in the hard work that you've done and your wins and losses and your failures and successes. Like this stuff didn't come easy, right? Like hopefully my son now will be formed. My kids will be formed in knowing a lot of these things so they don't have to learn them the hard way. But a lot of this stuff was, was not learned in any easy fashion. Um, uh, uh, when it comes to the seven pillars, right? Like I didn't, I didn't witness good, healthy relationships, whether that be friendships or marriages when I was growing up. Um, mental health was not something that I saw in a healthy way when I was growing up. Being a lifelong learner uh, of constantly seeking to gain more and more wisdom was not something I was, I was, uh, witness to growing up. Um, the importance of physical health and fitness, not something I was witness to growing up. You can go down the entire list, right? We didn't go to church after about when I was 10, 11, 12, um, until I became Catholic, then we started going more often again. But none of this stuff was really modeled for me. 
And that's, I mean, I've had a hell of a time trying to figure it out on my own. I'm not doing it perfectly myself by any means. But this idea of, I wish I knew then what I know now, like it's, it's available to everyone. And as long as we seek it out, you know, I think this, this reminds me of that, that passage from the Gospels where Jesus says, seeking you shall find, knocking the door will be open to you, asking you will receive. And I think when we pray for those things, when we look for those things in life, when we look for wisdom, you're going to find it. I have never seen, I have never experienced in my own life asking God for wisdom or accountability or help or direction and, and people in my life who could provide that or books or podcasts or things like that and not found it. And so those things, have, these things have been around for a while. Um, you know, maybe not podcasts back then, but books were certainly around. There was other things that existed back then. And, and to a certain extent, life was easier at certain points in the 20th century than it is today. You know, when it comes to the internet has its ups and downs. There's no doubt that the internet has a lot of downsides as well. Um, but I just, I never wanted to be the person that when I'm 50 thinking, I wish I knew then what I know now, although I'm going to know a lot more when I'm 50, because I'm just not going to stop learning, you know, from after I'm 32 or something random like that. But I still wanted to figure out as early as I could, what is the best way to live my life? What is the best way to achieve my goals, to fulfilling my potential? Because this is something, I, and I, I was really just reminded of this this past week with listening to Patrick Bet David's interview with Tom Brady. And one thing Tom Brady said, and, and you can take this with a grain of salt, or you can question him or doubt him or whatever you'd like, but PBD was very interested in uh, impressing Tom on, you know, who, who, who inspired you more to get that seventh ring? This is a big question he asked. Was it to get one more than Michael or to get one more than um, Michael Jordan? Or is it to get one more than Bill Belichick? Um, he asked some questions like, I like this one. He asked him about uh, the, uh, what was it called? The Last Dance. And he's like, have you seen The Last Dance? And of course, Tom Brady's seen The Last Dance. And he's like, in The Last Dance, there's that scene, that, that moment with Isaiah Thomas, where Michael Jordan talks about how he, he, after they beat them, after the Bulls beat the Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals, I think it was, after years of losing to them, most of the Pistons, including Isaiah Thomas, just walked off the court. And he's like, you guys beat me all those years. And every time you beat me, I took the time and shook your hand, said, hey, go win the championship, best of luck, et cetera. He's like, I beat you for the first time ever, and you can't even do me that same respect. You can't come shake my hand. And so Michael was tight. This is one of those classic, and I took that personally. You know, like Michael does, and he says that the whole last dance has become a meme since then. But I think it makes a lot of sense. And he asked Tom, he's like, did you have any disrespectful moments like that or whatever? And he's like, not really, you know? And, and so he keeps pushing and trying to find, like, what inspires this guy? What motivates you to try to be as good as you were and to be the, the you know, end up being the best? And Tom Brady says that he never set out to be the best quarterback of all time. He never set out to beat Michael or to beat Belichick. The only thing he wanted to do was to find out how good he could possibly be. He just wanted to figure out what is my, what is my ceiling? What is my, my greatest potential? If I fulfilled my potential, how good could I be? And man, did that light a fire under me again? Because I'm like, that's, that's the beginning with the end in mind, right? That's thinking about, you know, I'm not necessarily sure what my goals could be, what I could, um, 
you know, totally accomplished. And think about that. I think about that even applying it to the podcast, right? Or you think about with fitness or whatever it might be. He's like, I'm not trying to necessarily chase these accolades. They came along the way. But the main thing I wanted to do was make sure that I was fulfilling my potential. And so what that means instead is instead of pursuing awards, instead of pursuing glamour and fame and popularity, he did the little things right in each and every day. And so he said that his superpower wasn't his athleticism because he's not that athletic, wasn't his speed. He had a pretty strong arm, he said, but he was like, I didn't have the strongest arm in the league ever. He said what his superpower was, was his discipline. He had this radical discipline that he could do the same little things right all the time. And so that's getting ahead into habit three a little bit, but let me go ahead and read a quote from the book. All right. So diving into the actual book here, one thing that he kind of talks about when he says, um, beginning with the end in mind, he, he, he talks about how when you have this, this clear vision of what you're trying to get to, what you're trying to work towards, it allows you to, um, really start to prioritize what's most important, right? Because when we don't prioritize what's most important, then we end up finding ourselves just falling into absolute, this absolute state of busyness. And I always say that I think we have this kind of epidemic of busyness right now going on in our world where a lot of people are, and this this is again, kind of getting ahead um, to the third habit, but a lot of people are, are busy, but not, um, well, the way he describes it is busy, but not effective. effective. And so let me go ahead and read this quote here from the book. Uh, Covey says, it's incredibly easy to get caught up in an activity trap, in the busyness of life, to work harder and harder at climbing the ladder of success only to discover it's leaning against a wrong wall. It's very possible, or excuse me, it is possible to be busy, very busy, without being very effective. And so, man, is that true or what in today's world? We have so many people. I used to say this about college kids all the time. You ask college kids, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. Everybody's so busy. Whether they are doing, whether a college kid is in four classes and does no extracurriculars or they're taking six or seven classes and they're filled with extracurriculars, they all say they're busy. And so you know that that can't be the case. And so this is where, you know, the, this busyness, busyness and complaining about it and seeing yourself as a victim to your schedule and the demands of your life is one of the greatest killers, in my opinion, and what I've learned so far of a life of excellence. Because you just simply cannot be excellent and constantly complaining about the things you have to do. I, I've talked before, you know, this recent episode I did with Lauren Castillo. Uh, I've talked before about obviously Father Meyer. Got to talk to him on the phone for about a half an hour yesterday, which was great. Um, he, he's amazing. And when you talk to people like them, to me, like the epitome of excellence for, for both of them is... They, they they look at life like the things I get to do, not the things I have to do. And they try to manage their busyness so that they're doing the things that are most important. But one thing that he talks about a lot here is kind of the next sentences. He says that um, it's easy or no, he said that he said in this quote, excuse me, um, climbing the ladder of success and realizing it's leaning against the wrong wall. Now, this to me is something that's really important when it comes to excellence is taking time to understand and look ahead and say, is this the road I want to go down? And I learned this a lot when I was in the army. I had a, a, a good mentor that kind of walked me down this path of starting to say, you know, when you're starting out in your career, 
you're in these early stages and it's easy to kind of idolize similar to when you're a kid, right? With your parents, it's easy to idolize the people who, who outrank you in the military or the people who are your boss's boss at your corporate job or the people who are running the nonprofit that you work for. But he said, the question we need to ask ourselves is, do I actually want what they have? If I'm following on the same trajectory that they were on, right? So I look at my, my lieutenant colonel and I see the life that he has, how much he's away from his family, how much work he has to do, the fact that he's working from, you know, he's at the office from 6 a.m. to, to 7 p.m. And I see he, he does have a nice house. He makes good money. He's going to retire, you know, in five or six years. And if, if he wants to, or he'll keep going. And you get to evaluate these things. You get to see the kind of marriage he has. And there's obviously some vari variation in there, some room for, um, you know, flexibility within, like, you could do things a little bit differently. But by and large, you can look at somebody's life. And especially if you're going to take advice from this person on life, not just on your career, but in your life, then you have to evaluate these things and say, do I want to end up in the same place that they are? Because in life, by and large, when, when you're talking about life advice and, and talking about the end, the end goal, right? And beginning with the end in mind, when, when you're talking about taking insight from other people, and a lot of people are obviously going to offer you unsolicited advice throughout your life. But when it comes to taking advice from other people, you, people are going to tell you, be able to tell you generally one of two things. They can tell you how to get to where they've gotten, right? You kind of think about it like journeying through the woods, right? Or, or going on a journey or a drive. We all start at different places and we all end up at different places. But generally speaking, if you're similar enough or can somewhat relate, right? If you get into the same, uh, you know, industry, if you get into the same, uh, you know, something like a marriage, right? If marriage between a man and a woman, right? There's differences, obviously, but there's some similarities. Then they can kind of coach you and guide you to get to where they've gotten. They might be able to get you a little bit further ahead than where they've gotten. The other thing they, they can kind of coach you on is to avoid getting to where they've gotten. So people, this is, this is rare to find, but there's some humble people out there, especially older people, um, because they're, they're the ones that kind of feel this the most. But there's some humble people out there who will tell you, you know, I made some mistakes in my life. I ruined my marriage. I ruined my career. I, I ruined my relationship with my kids because I focused too much on my career, etc. And they can kind of tell you, don't end up like me. Now, that latter one is, uh, I think, pretty much always helpful because you're avoiding a bad place. The former, you have to be careful. And this is what I'm talking about more of like, you have to evaluate the fruits in this person's life to say, okay, do I actually want to take advice from this person? Or should I just politely, you know, nod and smile and say, thank you for sharing. And then promptly ignore and try to delete everything I just heard this person say. Because there are people who end up in bad places that still want to give you advice on how to go, how to live your life. Um, you see this a lot, a lot, a lot in the corporate world and in, you know, um, the for-profit world, I know I have a friend who uh, used to work on Wall Street, and he shared stories. Being an ex-soldier, I've experienced it. Um, or you got these guys who are divorced twice that want to give you marriage advice, right? And they're not just giving you advice of don't, don't end up like me with humility. They're, they're trying to tell you how to go about having a good marriage, which is a not great thing.
All right. So going back to this. So beginning with the end in mind here, Stephen Covey kind of breaks down. He says that all things are created twice. I think this is a really interesting concept and, and it's, it's obviously true, right? So let's take an example of what this means. And so say that I want to build a table, right? Um, shout out to St. Joseph. So obviously I'm going to pray to St. Joseph. I'm also not just going to pray that the table appears before me. I'm going to have to go to the Home Depot and I'm going to have to buy the wood and the other tools I'm going to need, right? To assemble this bad boy. But the thing that's important before I go buy any wood is I have to think to myself, and if you're married, consult with your spouse, especially if you're the man. You got to consult with your wife on interior design. But I got to consult and, and say, what do I want this table to look like? And so that's that's what he talks about. Things are created twice. So the first creation of this table would be in my mind. And so in my mind, I'm, I'm envisioning it. I'm thinking about how long and you know how wide and how long I need it to be, how high I want it to be. Um, what kind of chairs might look good with it, where I want it to be in my house. So this, this whole process that we go through in our minds of actually kind of envisioning what this table would look like. And then we go about taking the steps necessary based on that vision to bring it about. Because I'm not going to envision a table made out of a certain wood and then go buy a different wood and hope that it'll change into that other wood. Right, I'm not gonna uh, buy a table that I want to be six feet long, and buy wood that is only four feet long, and hope that it extends. And so I, I use those stupid examples because that's what we do. I, I want X, but then we we go about executing and following steps for something totally different. The same thing can go if you think about. I think baking is another great example. So you want to make a cake, and you sit there and you think, okay, this is what I want the cake to kind of look like. It's a birthday cake, and so I want it to look like this. It's going to be chocolate with white frosting, and I'm going to write happy birthday, homie, on the top, um, and that's it. So then you say, okay, well, in order to make that, what do I need to go get? All right, I got to go get flour. I got to get some eggs. I got to get sugar. And you start to think about these things, right? And you start to put it together. A lot of times in life, and this is another thing I actually heard PBD say this morning that just happened to be somewhat relevant for today. A lot of times in life, we want to skip an ingredient. Right. And so, I, I mean, I'm convicted of this. I think my camera here is a great example of this. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen with this new camera. I have no idea if anybody's ever going to actually subscribe to the YouTube channel or someday I could have 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. It's, I have no idea. But one thing I do know is that for a long time, I feel like I was trying to bake a cake of, um, you know, building up my channel, building up my podcast with a shitty MacBook camera. And I know that I don't watch YouTube videos that are extremely grainy. I didn't go out and spend $3,000 on a camera to get the best possible camera, but I spent a few hundred dollars, upgraded substantially. Hopefully you agree with that if you're watching. And this is how you bake the cake, right? I, I read as I'm trying to grow on social media and do all these things. I often remind myself when I see other people um, who have grown a lot, you know, in their follower followership and whether it be the podcast or social media, when I see somebody who's grown a lot on social media, because I've done the research and know what I want my outcomes to be, right? I set my goals each year and I write them down. I make a plan for them. And I know that if I don't do the things that I put as the, the steps to get there, it's silly to expect a result. If you don't put the eggs in the cake, it's silly to expect it to be good. If you don't put sugar in the cake, it's silly to expect it to be good, right? 
And so this is this is what we have to start to get to in our lives. And I think this is a, this is a large part, I think, of, of some of the mental health uh, approaches that we have in the United States of America today. I think this is basically what's wrong with uh, any secular approach to mental health and happiness in life is that we have a creator. God created us. And because God created us, God knows what we're for. Because it's the person who creates the thing that knows what it's for. And in knowing what we're for, God knows what um, will make us fulfilled. It's pursuing our purpose. And each purpose is a little bit different. But obviously, our, our main vocation is to holiness. Our main vocation is to love. It's to sanctity. It's to sainthood. It's to knowing, loving, and serving God. And the way that we go about doing that is different for each one of us in, in, in certain ways. But if we try to avoid that, right, if we, if we take God out of the equation, out of the ingredients to our lives, it's not going to taste good, right? And so I think that's something that's, that's super important for us to really nail down. Because, again, going back to the social media thing, I'll see somebody who's grown a ton of social media, and I'll be like, man, I remember when that guy or that girl had a fourth of those followers and I, you know, I want my social media to grow and I'm, I'm doing the wrong things. And I know that, right. I know that I, I post inconsistently. I know I'm not posting reels the way that I should. I know that I'm not um, going live and, and doing the things that I need to do. So then why am I surprised when, when it's not growing? It's silly. Right. And I know that. And, and a lot of times it's just sobering. I'll look and I'll, I'll click on somebody that has substantially more followers than me. Um, and I'm not trying to be like, I mean, I don't, I don't lose sleep over my followers. Please don't think that, but, um, it is something that I want to grow as it, as I, I think seeking excellence is important. I want it to grow. I want it to reach a broader audience. I don't, you know, live or die by that because it's not all based on numbers for me. Uh, I think this would be worth doing if I had 50 people who listen consistently or if I had 5,000, but I do want to reach a broader audience. I do want to get better at what I'm doing. I think that, uh, Growing your listenership, growing your following shows that you're getting better to a certain degree. But I, I click on somebody's thing, and if they've posted twice as much as me and they have, you know, grown fifty uh, percent more than me, then I'm like, okay, well, they did they did the work, they did the things that it takes. And so that's for me trying to figure out. Okay, I know I need to post video content. I know I need to record and post podcasts consistently. I'm coming off a week where I posted only one instead of my four. Um, and so I'm like. Constantly, I've been trying to figure out for three years, how do I do this consistently? How do I get set up? How do I finally get a studio going? How do I um, find the people who are going to help me? How do, I, how do I stay accountable towards my goals? Because, the, it, and it takes time, right? And I have to give myself a long runway because there's one thing if I was going to quit my job and just go all in and be like, I'm just going to try to do this full time. But I'm not doing that. And I'm not taking that route means that there's going to be a lot of bumps. It's going to have a lot of bumps and I have to take time to appreciate the fact that I'm still in the game because I do know a lot of people who have started podcasts, especially during 2020. How many freaking podcasts and blogs do you think started during 2020 and have fizzled out and died? They don't exist anymore. And through new jobs, through I have, I've had two new jobs since um, starting podcasting. I've, I've moved to two different states. I've moved within Colorado as well. Uh, I tore my Achilles. I've gotten married. I got engaged, gotten married, had a baby. And so thinking about all that stuff, I'm still just really proud that I'm I'm still going and still improving and growing and, and things are still advancing. 
but I am just constantly trying to figure out, okay, well, I know my end state, my desired end goal. If my dream is that in, you know, 10 years, I could be doing this full time. Um, you know, and I have to give myself like five to 10 years because I've heard, uh, I especially lean on the example of Ryan Mickler from the order of man podcast. And he says that it was, man, I think it was like six years or something. He said he was doing it before he got any real traction of recording his podcast. I think he was doing three episodes a week for six years. Um, maybe it was just one or two when he first started out, but still thinking about that, it takes a lot of time, man. It takes a lot of time. And so you can't set out, this is the same thing that goes with like losing weight, right? I've been super frustrated with my inability to lose weight. And I'm like, you don't, you don't lose 40 pounds in, in two months, right? So why? Cause I'm not 19 anymore. And so I can't just do that. Right. I can't just pick up and be like, all right, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this month just by cutting out snacks and drinking a little bit less. Like that's just not how it works anymore. And so these things take time, but, but taking a moment to stop and think about your life. And it's good to have those long-term goals, the 50 years, but say that's overwhelming to you right now. Just start small, start with setting your yearly goals, which obviously we're going to talk about and we're going to go through together as we get towards the end of this year of setting goals for 2024. And then those yearly goals have to be broken down into monthly goals. And the monthly goals are broken down into weekly tasks. And so thinking about each week, what do I need to get done this week? And then trying to be intentional about, intentional about planning your day so that you can start to incorporate those weekly tasks into your day. And I think the really important thing is just to, you know, not to beat a dead horse here, but thinking about how easily we often get discouraged is when I break those things down, right? When I think about my 10-year goals, when I think about my five-year, one-year, whatever, the month, though, it, it, it all has to understand that when I think about my yearly goals, if I'm not doing the things on a, on a weekly basis and on a daily basis that it requires to get there, I, I just can't be frustrated and discouraged when I don't end up where I wanted to go, right? And so I hope that, I just feel like we, we really need to hear that. I think it's really important for us to understand that concept and how, how real that is um, because so many times in our lives, we find ourselves doing that. We find ourselves expecting things and just kind of wishing for things when we're not working towards them. And God requires us to work towards the things that he's asked us to do, the things that he wants to give us. Um, we have to participate in that. We participate in our salvation. We participate in our growth. Uh, and I think that's a beautiful thing. It's a good thing, but it is challenging. And so it's important for us to understand that it, this is a difficult road towards holiness, towards excellence. But as long as we're doing the things on a regular basis to help lead towards our growth and feed our growth, then we're going to end up in a good place. And so the last thing I want to share here from this chapter, because again, I don't think there was much meat in this chapter. I think this is really it. It's just having a vision for your life, which is super important. Definitely not trying to uh, minimize the importance of it. But um, yeah, just thinking about how uh, important it is and how he hits on this, that we need to have a personal mission statement. And so a personal mission statement can be a sentence or it can be more of like a creed that you have for yourself. And he kind of gives examples of, of ways that you can kind of build that out and, and how his looks and other people's and, and different principles you can base your life on. For me, I think of my life as, or my, my mission statement in life 
to be to strive to fill my potential through living a life of excellence and to help other people to do the same. And so to me, that breaks down into my kind of creed, if you will, which in my world, obviously, is the seven pillars of excellence, striving for excellence mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, professionally, and socially um, with the three foundations that we mentioned earlier, and then trying to teach other people and try to help motivate other people, inspire other people, give direction to other people on how to do the same as I learn about that process myself. And so that's what this is all about. So the whole episode, this whole podcast and everything I do is all, all geared towards, right? Is helping people to live a life of excellence and to strive towards that. And so um, what is it for you? What do you feel like God has placed you here to do? If you don't know what that is, I encourage you to pray about it for sure. This is, this is an adoration prayer. This isn't just a, um, you know, while you're laying down before bed at night prayer or, you know, middle of mass prayer. This is, this is supposed to be you're in adoration, thinking about, Lord, what did you create me for? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do with my life? Because again, he's your creator. So he knows what you're here for. He knows what you're supposed to do. And if he created you to do something, don't you think he wants you to know what it is? I don't know what it would benefit God to hide that purpose from you, that mission from you. And so you pray about that and you take that to the Lord and you refine it. You come up with some type of a mission statement for yourself. And then from there, you grow into. Um, yeah, figuring out, okay, what does that practically look like? And that's where you go from thinking about uh, the high-level kind of general mission, like I just talked about, because that's that's specific, but it's also very vague, right? It, it gets more specific when I understand my creed, or if you will, of the seven pillars. But then even from that, it's like, okay, what does that mean, right? You can keep asking that. Okay, so your, your mission is to live a, fulfill your potential by living a life of excellence. What does that mean to you? I'm like, okay, the seven pillars of excellence. Okay, what does mental excellence mean to you? There's so many questions that you can get down and down and down. Okay, the second part of my mission statement, to help others to do the same, what does that look like? Okay, for me, it's speaking, it's podcasting, it's writing, it's creating content. All right, great. Where are you going to create the content? Where are you going to post it? What equipment are you going to use? Who's going to help you to do that? Are you going to build a team or are you going to do it by yourself? Are you going to write books? Are you going to write blogs? Are you going to write articles? Are you going to uh, post video content? Are you going to do social media stuff? Etc. And then if you're trying to grow and be intentional with that, that's where you're starting to get down to the tactics, right? So you have the mission, then you figure out your strategy, and then you think about the actual tactics of it. So just to give you another example of this, um, that I think is always really helpful in my life is the operations order in the United States Army, the first three paragraphs. Um, this could probably could be a whole podcast episode in of itself, but the first paragraph is a situation. So you're basically paying the situation for your soldiers or for your superiors, showing them what's kind of going on, enemy activity in the area, et cetera. The second paragraph is the mission statement. So you have the mission statement, and the mission statement always has to have the, the five W's, right? Who, what, where, when, and why. And then you get into the how in the third paragraph, which is execution. And so that's where you kind of talk about high-level execution, and then you get into the nitty-gritty of really talking through with each one of your soldiers what exactly everyone is going to do on this mission. And that's what we have to do, right? That's what leadership looks like. That's what our life is called to look like. But if you don't have that mission of what is our outcome here, right? If we're not going to just go out and go to war and just blindly hope that shit works out, like we have to have a very intentional idea of what our outcome, our desired outcome is. And that's where we can start to, to make progress and work towards something that is worth fighting for. And so I hope this episode was helpful for you. If you have been considering joining us on Locals as a $10 supporter, this is your month to do it. You're going to 
be able to join us for our book club. I'm going to be announcing if I send it out this week, I'll be announcing what book it is next week, but I want people to receive it first because it's kind of a surprise. I'll be sending out the books. If you haven't filled out the info form yet and you're a supporter, please do that now. I will link it to this episode. And then um, last thing is, yeah, join us on Locals for free and be on the lookout for the book and make sure that you crush it this week. Think about your week even. You can start with this week. What do you want your life to look like? What are the biggest things that are stressing you out, that are weighing you down? And where can you try to fit some of those things into your week? Maybe you'll sleep a little bit less. Maybe you'll have a little bit less time for, you know, watching football or whatever fun things you'd like to do. But what can you accomplish this week that's really weighing you down that could really help to take you to the next level, that could give you some momentum and progress towards the goal that you've been putting off for a long time? This is the week to think about that. Think about your vision, your long-term vision, then come back to the present reality and map a way for you to get there. Know my prayers for you. God bless you. And as always, be your best.